When Shelley was 12, she went on a trip to London, England, and she documented it in her journal. I learned a lot of new things about England. They don't take their shoes off in the house. They build their cars wrong. They call potato chips crisps. And although it's the same language, I can't understand very much of what they're saying. That's Shelley reading from her travel journal. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? It's very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories, we have a mischievous elf, a speech about sponges, an incident on the monkey bars, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and though it is all in English, some of it's hard to understand. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDW, we get that migrating your business to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDW's experts can help you simplify the transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell Technologies solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash Tech. When Jane was in junior high, she had an assignment in school where she had to write and then deliver a speech to the entire class. And at our Yellowknife show, Jane shared that speech. Before she got on stage, I asked Jane, what was the topic of your speech? What was it about? And she told me, I'm not really sure. It's kind of about sponges and kind of about bruises and kind of about cats. Live on stage in Yellowknife, here's Jane. Honorable judges, distinguished guests, teachers, and fellow students. The title of my speech is Why on Earth? In this speech, I am going to examine several topics. (laughs) And you will soon find out why this is so appropriate. I'm sure you've all had the opportunity to wash your dad's car or help your mom with spring cleaning. You reach into a bucket with a lightweight sponge... And pull it out full of water. Why on earth can a sponge... I can't even... (laughs) It's full of holes. That simply doesn't make sense. How can it hold water if it's full of holes? (laughs) But did you know holes actually help the sponge... (laughs) Hold all of the water... (laughs) Why, without holes, it would be no better than a rag. <laughs> Sponges are made, are made from a special absorbent fiber called cellulose from trees. <laughs> Manufacturers mix a solution and bake it in an oven. Some sponges can hold 20 times their weight in fluids. Hockey, soccer, and basketball players can relate to this next story. You have all received injuries in your sport, some quite serious, and you may have looked at them expecting to see blood. You feel a great sense of relief to see that you're not bleeding and only have a bruise. Well, 
were you ever wrong? Why on earth do we get bruises? Did you know bruises can form anywhere you hit hard? (laughs) When this happens, tiny blood vessels burst and bleed under the skin. The blood darkens and you see it as black and blue. Fortunately, this type of bleeding heals and bruises disappear quickly. The cold weather is something that we are all accustomed to here in northern New Brunswick, but why on earth do we get shivers when we're cold? Did you know that if you're freezing, your body shakes to keep warm? When nerves sense a temperature drop, they send an alarm to the brain. When your brain receives this message, it tells your muscles to get moving. And when you start to move, you produce heat. So don't be shook up when you shiver. You're just warming up. While looking at a cat one time, I couldn't help but wonder why on earth it had whiskers. Well, did you know that at the end of each whisker, there is a sensitive nerve? When something touches the whisker, the nerve sends a message to the brain to let the cat know what's going on around him. This is especially useful in the dark. Well, when you look at topics such as whiskers, shivers, bruises, and sponges, it's obvious that these are not among the top ten news items of the day. (laughs) But we should realize that we do take insignificant and unimportant things for granted. granted. (laughs) It should also make us realize that everything in life serves a purpose, even your cat's whiskers. Thank you. I am never going to take a bruise for granted ever again. That was so charming. Our next reader is Jesse, and Jesse is going to share a few entries from the school journal that she kept in grade two. And Jesse notes that she had no filter even when she was writing to her teacher for school in her journal. She also says she had quite a lot of angst for a seven-year-old. Please welcome Jessie to our stage. Thursday, January 23rd, 1997. It is so cold here in Yellowknife. But I like it that way. There's only one thing I don't like about it, and it's that we have to have indoor recess. I do not like indoor recess. Wednesday, March 5th. My half-sister is coming to visit. She is 23. I have never met her before, but I have seen pictures of her. If you are wondering, I do not have a stepmother. She will be sleeping in the guest room. My dad is happy that she can come. I just found out that she was coming last night. My teacher wrote, how exciting, Jesse, where is she coming from? I replied, I don't know. (laughs) Wednesday, April 16th, 1997. I played on the internet at my dad's work computer. It was really fun. I visited four places on the internet. (laughs) I think I bought something. But no one believes me. I went to the dentist as well. 
Monday, April 21st. I have a really sore throat. I have a sore throat because I am sick. I think I caught my mom's bad cold. I wish I didn't have a cold. It is not fun to have a cold. I'm a bit happy because I get to come home after school. I get to come home after school because my sister is at home. My sister is at home because she doesn't have a job. (laughs) My sister is leaving in two weeks. I am sort of sad and sort of happy. I am happy because I want to do things with my family. I am sad because she is nice. Monday, May 12th, 1997. Today it was raining, but then in the late morning it was sort of rain snow. I am sort of happy and sort of sad. I am happy because I like playing in the potas. I am sad because everything's wet. Roxy, my cat, is in love. She's in love with a cat that lives downstairs. We aren't worried because she can't have babies. She can't have babies because she had a special operation. She ate a rubber band and threw up. I feel sorry for her. Finally, June 24th, we're almost at the end of the school year. Tonight, I am going to get my ears pierced. I am sort of nervous, and I'm sort of happy. At least I know who is piercing my ears. In the summer, I may be going to Hay River. I'm going to a day camp in the summer. I can't wait until summer vacation. At least it's not that far away. I am sort of getting tired of some of the other students. Thank you. Jesse, everybody. When Chris was seven, he wrote a short story. It takes place at the North Pole, and it involves Santa and a very naughty elf. Live on stage in Yellowknife, here's Chris. Mischievous elf strikes again. On December 23rd, 1976, all the elves were getting ready for the big day, all except for Claude. He hated work. All he wanted to do was play. So that night, Claude crept into the workshop and took all the toys to his underground home. The next day, Floyd, the chief elf, went into the toy shop and saw only a pile of dolls because Claude hated dolls. (laughs) Claude had fun riding on the Big Jim electric helicopter. Then Floyd heard the noise and went to Claude's home. He opened the door and Claude shot his BB gun at him. He shot Evil Knievel up the ramp and it hit him in the face. He made a helicopter out of Lego and turned it on and made it go into Floyd's face. He took a magic kit and made Floyd disappear. At 12 o'clock, Floyd came back and told Santa... Santa took Mrs. Claus's frying pan and went to Claude's house. Claude was playing on the trampoline when Santa got in. It took Santa 10 minutes to get over all the toys. 
He swung the frying pan and bounced off and hit Santa. Santa swung again, but Claude was in a toy suit armor, so it didn't hurt much. (laughs) Then Claude took the helmet off and got hit. Wham! Santa called NPPD, and they put Claude in jail. Thank you. I love it when a story has a strong moral message and a good lesson that we can all take something away from. That was great, Chris. Thank you. Jeans. They're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest series, we're unzipping how Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler managed to take workman's wear from the frontier to the runway and closets around the world. Join us for Denim Wars. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. When you're a teenager, writing can be a way to explore your darker side or to try and work out some of the more difficult emotions that go along with growing up, things like angst and anxiety and melodrama. Our next reader, Robin, shared three poems she wrote when she was 14, a time in her life when she says she was very angry. Please welcome to our stage, Robin. A quick heads up, Robin uses a cuss word in one of her poems, which we do not believe. I'm also an English teacher, and so I'd like to think I know something about good poetry. This, my friends, is not good poetry. First one's called Alone. Too much of my life I've been alone, though I've always been surrounded by others. As a child... I was so trusting, so unknowing, so innocent. Now, looking back, I realize we lose our innocence so easily in so many ways. The most painful being when we realize that those who are supposed to care for us really only care for themselves and their own pleasures more. It's painful because you realize how alone you really are. As I grew older, I began to lose myself. It's as if some dark stranger, someone with a dark face took my hand and made me run faster, pulled me along and then suddenly let go and left me dangling, wandering, searching for my identity, hungering for a place to call home. I wonder if I'll ever find it. I began to grasp for something real to hold on to, perhaps fate, destiny, love. I no longer trust fate. I believe that destiny is an imp that toys with my heart and soul. Now I realize that love can be wicked too. It can beguile us like witchcraft and turn day into night. Black into white, guilt into innocence. I began searching, desperately searching, for an escape from these maddening feelings, and I temporarily found peace in the world of darkness. But sleep is no longer an escape for me. The silence of my dreams and the deep, dark of the night. Scream all about me alone, alone. You are all alone. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. 
Now as I lay open, alone on my bed with my eyes open, I realize from the hopeless flat way I feel that even in a valley with no mountains, the wind can blow. So I continue to search, searching for a place where all belongs, searching for a time when the aloneness will finally be gone. But meaningless words and empty promises are all I hear, and the only promise left to me now is the promise of tomorrow. Thank you. The next one was published in my school yearbook. I'm so sorry. This one's called Wild Child. I rise with the setting sun. I am the goddess of the twilight, the daughter of the moon. She calls to me to dance in her silver light, to rejoice with my brothers and sisters, the ever-shining stars. You know who I am. I shine like a moonbeam through your crystal window. Enter your dreams and hide in the darkest shadows of your mind. I am the very essence of life. Of youth, of freedom, come dance with me under the dark, ebon darkness, Become me, be me, through me, a new legend is born. Thank you. (laughs) All right, my last one. (laughs) My last one is a good reminder to me as a teacher that I don't always know what my students have stepped out of before they step into my classroom. And as someone who grew up in a place that didn't always feel very safe, that's an important thing for me as a teacher to remember. I had a dream about you again last night. You were falling down drunk and standing over an open grave. You had a cigarette in one hand and a shovel in the other. I screamed at you, but you continued to talk to the lifeless body lying in the gaping hole in the ground. Why won't you get out of my mind? You're out of my life, aren't you? I just wish you would get the fuck out of my head. The other day, I found your remains in my room. Two needles filled to the hilt hid in a forgotten place. As I held them in my shaking hands, I thought of you in disgust. I thought now that you're gone, I wouldn't have to put up with your bullshit anymore. But you'll never really be gone, will you? You'll continue to cast a shadow over my life. Even in your absence, you continue to taint my soul. No matter how hard I try, I can never forget the names, the lies, or the violence you made me endure. So even when you lie in the grave you've dug yourself into... The pain for me will never cease. Thank you so much. What really strikes me about my poetry today is just how melodramatic it is and how over-the-top it really feels. I mean, I'm using inflated language and hyperbole all over the place, talking as if I had all of the wisdom of the world. And, of course, I'd hardly even started living. But what also really strikes me about my poetry is just how vulnerable it was. I mean, I was talking about things that were deeply emotional at that point. And I was a teenager who basically spoke in monosyllabic grunts to any grown-up who tried to interact with me. And so for me to be able to share poetry with teachers or in small, you know, coffeehouse spaces was really remarkable because I didn't tell anything to anybody, but for some reason in poetry, it felt like a safe space, maybe because it was art. I'm now an English teacher, and so as an English teacher, I really try to provide my students with lots of opportunities for creative writing. I offer youth workshops. I offer, you know, I take my students on the land. I interact with other poets. We we try to write things that are inspired by our own lives and 
Every time a student presents me with a piece of poetry, I get excited. I treat it like it's a treasure and it's something special. And I'm just so grateful that they're, that they're sharing that moment of vulnerability with me. Very often, the diaries and journals we hear on our stage are private, they're secret, they're personal, they're written for nobody other than the author themselves. And our next reader's diary is kind of like that, but there's a twist. When Emily was 12, she made a pact with her best friend. And the pact was that each of them was going to keep a diary, and then, after each of them had written their deepest, most private thoughts in those diaries, they were going to trade. They'd swap But the thing is, they never actually got around to doing the swapping, which is why Emily still has her journal, and we're going to hear a few pieces from it right now. Please welcome Emily to the Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote Us Kids stage. All right. So I wrote this journal, like you said, when I was 12, and I was about to move away from the small town that me and my family lived in. And we'd made this pact with my best friend, Jenny, to uh, exchange our diaries after we had completed them. So, March 11th. Today I am in Edmonton. It is 11.02 p.m., and my mom and dad are still out. So me, William, and Bria are at the hotel. Those are my siblings. I am extremely bored. I'm listening to my Walkman, Dance Mix 97. Bria got her hair cut today, up to her shoulders. Personally, I think her hair looks really ugly, but I can't tell her that. So I'm going to spray a perfume that I bought on the next page. It's French, called Wheat. Do you like it? (laughs) March 14th. We're still in Edmonton. When we left Nahanni, I had $100. First, I went crazy and bought the perfume on the last page for $45. That's nine weeks worth of chores. It was from Paris, though. When I bought it, the saleswoman gave me a bunch of different free samples and gave William a free cologne. (laughs) When my mom found out I spent that much on perfume, she flipped. (laughs) I bought some green hair dye I'm going to use for St. Patrick's Day and the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) And with $5, I got the most freaked out I've ever been at the West Edmonton Mall. I went to the haunted house. If you ever go to the West Edmonton Mall again, you absolutely have to go there. I was, like, really shaking. But, but if you, you can go with a group of friends or by yourself, go by yourself. And don't go out the chicken exit. <laughs> well, I'm going to go to a show now. Bye. <laughs> Saw the Hyderhouse, Cider House Rules. It was an okay movie, but a bit slow. <laughs> Tomorrow... <laughs> Tomorrow we are driving to Fort Nelson. It should take 12 hours. My dad's trying to read what I'm writing, so I gotta go now. Bye. (laughs) March 15th. You know before I told you I got a whole bunch of samples with that perfume? One was called Romance, and Bray was looking through the stuff that I bought, and she laughed and picked up the Romance thing and said, you should give this to (laughs) Daryl. I said, are you crazy? That's plain sick. Then William came and sat down next to us in the middle of the mall and said, what are you guys doing? And I said, nothing. And Bria said, Emily likes (laughs) Daryl. 
<laughs> and William said, oh, that's okay, Daryl's single. <laughs> I'm like turning bright red. And I turned around as calmly as I could and said, whatever you say, Bria. <laughs> Well, we're almost at Nelson now. We're staying overnight there. Man, I am so bored. There's nothing to do in this truck. I'm listening to the love song on my Walkman. Just sitting here, thinking about Daryl. Wishing that something would happen to between us before we leave, before I have to leave. Maybe, just maybe, I guess. <laughs> we'll skip ahead. <laughs> uh, so five days until we leave. We're leaving in five days. I just finished packing up my clothes and room, and I really don't want to go to Providence because I know after a couple years, when I have friends, we'll move again, and it feels hopeless. <laughs> I will never have a home. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you that when we went on the Calgary school trip in Jasper at the pool, it was purely purely accidental. But, you see, there were monkey bars above the water, (laughs) and Mike was trying to climb up them. I was under the water, and I came up. And the rope you have to climb to get to the monkey bars, Mike was swinging towards me, so I put up my hands to block my face. And, well, you know, my hands, well, (laughs) um, we collided. (laughs) And when we collided, his whatever, it hit my hand. into the water and I turned to take off but I heard him telling William that while he was on the rope that I'd reached up and done it on purpose (laughs) thank you Yellowknife, that has been grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Huge round of applause for all of the readers tonight. So, so, so good. Thank you to all of you for coming to listen. Thank you to Ryan for doing sound and lights tonight. Everybody sounded really great. Thank you to everybody here at the Black Knight, all of the staff, all of the servers. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around, say hello, have a drink. Get home safe. We'll see you soon, Yellowknife. Good night. Walkman, Dance Mix 97. (laughs) 